Hey everybody, I'm Pat Mulroy from the World of Learning Institute, and today we are doing our podcast. We do this every day uh, from IU8. And today we have Janelle Vankis with us. Um, she is the Director of Curriculum and Innovation. And so I think it's going to be like a really good um, exploratory, a little bit juicy, knowing what is happening, what an IU is, and all those kinds of things. Um, but the World of Learning Institute, we provide courses when a school or a school district can't find a teacher. Uh, so you can contact me if you're listening to this podcast um, at pmulroy at worldoflearninginstitute.com. So let's get started. Janelle, um, do you want to tell the, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and your background? And sure, sure. Thank you for this opportunity. I, this, this is the first official podcast that I've ever done. So um, I hope that I live up to your expectations. You'll be uh, awesome. But no, I'm, I'm happy to, to join you today uh, to kind of, you know, talk about world of learning through through my perspective and what I've learned, you know, at the onset of when world of learning started here. So I've been with this team since it, it came to the IU. And so I've seen it go through, you know, the process to where it's at today. So we've had, a you know, a lot of um, awesome learning experiences uh, in I just think what's happening right now in world of learning is just amazing. So um, just to kind of give you a little bit about me, um, of course, I'm an educator. Um, I've always wanted to be an educator. And I knew that early on, um, I, you know, sometimes, you know, family members have a, a special needs um, member that, that kind of just speaks to a person. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I had an uncle who uh, lived with my grandparents and he was, uh, had some physical and mental challenges um, beyond anyone else in our family. Uh, so he obviously was, um, you know, kind of the kind of the center of our family. And we were just drawn to him. And all the years when I would, you know, go to my grandparents' house, I was always, in, I always wanted to teach him how to write his name, or I wanted to teach him, you know, how to um, spell or, you know, and I, and I realized that, you know, at one point his challenges were a little too severe to, to accomplish those goals. But that's what really forced me into, uh, or at least not forced me, but that but inspired me, I guess is a better word, to, to be an educator, uh, and specifically in the field of special education. So that's, that's, the, that's the path that I took. Um, I went to IUP for my undergraduate studies, and I obtained a, a K-12 special education degree. Um, and then from there, I, I got a job. I did my student teaching in the Altoona School District, which is how I got a job there. Uh, at the high school. So I was a high school learning support teacher in the Altoona School District for um, in the classroom for about five years. And then I transitioned into an instructional coach role uh, for the special education department um, for about four years. And through that experience, I, I kind of got a taste of what life was like outside of the classroom walls. I got to work with administrators and um, realized that maybe that would be a good fit for me. So I, you know, I went back to school, went back to IUP and got my principal certification. And uh, that really landed me here at the IU. Um, there was a position that was opening up as a non-public supervisor. And I, you know, just was at that point kind of searching around and I applied and um, ended up getting that position. So for a couple of years, about six years, I supervised um, a team of reading specialists and guidance counselors, school counselors, excuse me, and math specialists who serviced all the non-public schools within the IU, which we have quite a few. Um, and it was a really interesting experience because, you know, coming from the public school system and then moving in and working and seeing how the, you know, the non-public schools work was, you know, a really good experience. And just 
kind of brought a different perspective to education, you know, um, based upon what I was used to. And then, you know, just as as time progressed, um, you know, as I was, you know, that non-public supervisor, I was housed in the curriculum department. So I started to kind of experiment with, you know, doing some professional development here and there. And um, one thing kind of led to another. And um, I, I transitioned into the assistant director of curriculum at one point. And then now I am the, the director of the curriculum department. So uh, that's kind of where my journey you know, has led me up to this point. I don't know where I'll be going next, but it's been an awesome experience. Working at an IU is, is truly rewarding in so many different ways. You get to meet so many different people. Um, you get to network across the state. And, uh, you know, my, I feel like the connections that I've made throughout my 14 years here already, um, you know, I, there, it's just really, truly uh, an amazing place to work. So, yeah. It's pretty interesting, though, all the things that you really, when you get out of school as an educator, that you don't know it's possible, right? You just Correct. All those things that um, you didn't have. So, you know, the other thing that I know is big in your life, and, and you've got to tell people that, you know, you not only do this job where you are the director of curriculum and innovation or curriculum innovation, yeah. um, but you have, you have some teenagers and you have a puppy that you got during the pandemic. You want to tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about them yeah. and how they impact sure. you in education? Oh gosh, that's been an interesting journey with my kids throughout all of this. Um, yeah, I have two, I, I have a son who's, you know, about to graduate high school. And at one point I, I, I never thought I'd see the day that we were at this point. Um, you know, he's that kid that hates school, you know, and, and, and that's hard from a parent's perspective, especially when, when I'm, you know, being an educator, when you have a child that really has not liked school. Um, so I think, you know, part of the work that I've done has been um, to try to figure that out. Why, why do we have, because he's not the only one, trust me. Uh, I, I know that's more common than, than, you know, we, you we want to realize. And so, um, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, he's fine. I mean, I know that at one point, I was told, you know, he's going to be fine eventually. You may not be, but he will be fine. <laughs> uh, and he is. And he's, you know, he's made the decision to, to go to a trade school um, because he's a hands-on learner. And I think it, what, what the cool thing about that is he's realized that over the years, that he doesn't just like to go to school just to go to school. There has to be a purpose. It has to be relevant um, and engaging for him. And uh, I think that the path that he is choosing um, is certainly, I think, a better match for him than if he was just going to go off to a four-year college and, you know, take courses that really had no meaning to his life beyond, you know, academia. So, uh, so he's good. He, I think he's on, he's, he's on the right path. At least I hope uh, my daughter's a little bit different. She's, she's a much more traditional student. She's in 10th grade and she follows all the rules of school and, you know, she does, she does very well. She, you know, she, she has a little bit more of, um, I think just some patience with herself than he did. Uh, so uh, she's looking at, I think she wants to explore the medical field at some point, not quite sure what that is yet, but she at least has maybe some, some idea what she wants to do. And then, yes, I became a, a dog mom. Never thought that would happen. Uh, a couple of days into the quarantine, like official quarantine, I, I had a weak moment. My kids have always wanted a dog and I just kind of put that off and put that off because we're a busy family. My kids play travel sports. And, you know, it just, I just felt that was going to be uh, uh, just to complicate our life even more. So uh, I, I got, yeah, I had a weak moment and I just said to one of that's maybe we should just get a dog. And that, that's pretty much, that's all I needed to say. And, 
you know, we started to research what type, kind of dog was really going to be probably a good fit for us. Um, and we researched for a couple of weeks and we ended up finding her. So she's, yeah, she's a, a mini Aussie doodle. She just turned two a couple of weeks ago. Her name's Sadie. And yeah, she has certainly um, stole my heart oh, way yes. more than I ever thought a dog would. Sadie made it into our social media too. Yes. Yes, Sadie cool. did. And yeah, I call her my emotional support animal. <laughs> yeah, we all need those. And we have <laughs> Olivia with us here today. Olivia mm -hmm. has been a little quiet, but um, Olivia is some of our um, folks who have been listening to the podcast know who you are already. But do you want to just remind people about who you are and what you do at the World of Learning and um, touch them up to date for folks who haven't heard you before? Thanks, Pat. Yeah, my name's Olivia Grugan, and I am, my title is Virtual Learning Specialist. Um, and I do a little bit of instructional coaching, a little bit of teaching, a little bit of curriculum work, a little bit of tech support, um, all kinds of different roles, which is really wonderful at this point in my career, too. Like you started to allude to, Janelle, you know, just getting to be in a position where you get to play multiple roles and, and fill different shoes. And um, I think when you come from the classroom environment, which I did as well, it's really enlightening to see all the moving pieces that go into a district or a program or you know, um, even what it takes to put together a course for multiple teachers. So um, that's my title, but I was excited when Pat invited me to join you all today because I have always been interested in our relationship, ours being the world of learning's relationship to the IU, because when I was hired three years ago, I was hired specifically to work with the world of learning. And so that was kind of how I got introduced to the intermediate unit was through this very unique and very specific program. And then we went five months later, we went into the quarantine. Um, and so I feel like it's taken me a little, in some ways the quarantine actually accelerated some virtual community and I got to meet some of my other colleagues who I would not have met or would have taken longer to meet in person because we were all coming together in Zoom to kind of quickly recalibrate and decide how we were gonna handle certain things in the pandemic. But in other ways, it's kind of elongated my time of getting to know everybody. And so sometimes when I come into the office, since I'm a remote employee, you know, I'm still in this position of like, hi, my name's Olivia, you know, quickly sort of trying to introduce myself and get to know who's there. So I was eager when Pat said that you would be talking today, you know, just to learn more about our relationship between our, our, our sort of child organization and the IU as its sort of parent, which is one way to maybe visualize it. I'm sure there's other ways too. That's a really, uh, a, a good and unique perspective. And I thank you both for being here because I really have a lot of respect for both of you. And Janelle uh, has a special place in my heart because she, her leadership is, is very open and, um, you know, she has forgiven me numerous, numerous times because I just get out there on a limb some days and, you know, Janelle always pulls me back in and, um, and I do appreciate it. You know, she works from the heart. She works for kids, you know, and I think, you know, talking about the experience with your uncle and, you know, like I know when my dog barks, you know, or when you see a kid on the screen, it's like, oh, wait, wait, let's see that. You know, like there's just such a love of people. And I think that makes people feel so comfortable because you know the things that are important in their life you don't discount and i think that's a really great um that's one of the things i really admire about you and now you've been at the iu for you know 14 years so like olivia said like you know there's this expansiveness that you get to see like mm -hmm. that you never thought probably even when you started with curriculum and innovation but some people don't even know what i use are can you just give us a 
tad bit of what an IU is just before you talk? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, IUs are educational service agencies, and there are 29 of them in the state of Pennsylvania. Each IU is kind of divided into counties. And IU-8, we service four counties, and it's approximately 3,500 square miles, the the total territory that we service. So we are kind of like South Central PA. Uh, We are the second largest IU in terms of the geographical space that we cover, as well as we're the second largest IU in the state uh, in terms of how many districts we service. We service 35. Um, I think IU IU3, which is uh, Pittsburgh area, Allegheny County, they service, I think, 42, 42 or 43. And then IU17 is the first, uh, or the, 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 the IU that has the largest geographical area that they cover. That's up in the Williamsport area. Um, so we, yeah, we definitely are, um, you know, an IU that's large in, in territory, as well as the amount of school districts that we service. Now, the one thing about our school districts is, you know, we have um, a lot of small rural schools. So that the 35 that we service, many of them are very, very small little school districts in Somerset County, Cambria County. Um, our largest school district is the Altoona Area School District. Um, second to that would be Johnstown. And then most, then I would say Somerset school district and then followed by probably Holidaysburg. So uh, then it, then really, I think the population drops off um, from there. Uh, but, you know, we are also, I use are also, and I, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, the analogy that I use, we're the, we're the thread that ties the State Department of Ed to school districts. Um, I use, I think our role has has changed over the years, especially since I have been here. Um, at one point, IUs did receive basic ed funding. And, you know, based upon politics and as governors come in and out, uh, at one point that those dollars were removed from the budget for IUs, which then forced intermediate units to become more entrepreneurial. Um, and that really shifted the way IUs did and still do business. Um, it hasn't been an easy transition because, you know, a lot of IUs and still don't um, have a fee for service. Whereas districts, you know, pay into an, into a, a, an IU's general operating fund. Some IU's just are complete fee for service. Other IU's are a little bit of a balance, like we are. We do have districts that pay into our GOB. It's still a very minute minute part of our overall budget, um, but we also do charge for certain services. Um, so I think we've gotten to the point, and we have great relationships with our districts that they kind of understand um, where we're at with that. Um, so so PDE. You know, every year we get tasked with certain initiatives from the state level that they then um, place on the IU to carry out. And I use, do receive some funding, uh, you know, from the state to carry out those larger initiatives. Um, and again, those change from year to year based upon what's happening in our, in our world. You know, with COVID, that obviously uh, changed some of the work that was being done and, and created some different work for us, um, especially when it comes to um, broadband access and um, accelerated learning or learning loss, whatever you want to call it. So uh, there's been shifts in our work, you know, based upon what's what trends are occurring in in the world and in our, in our state was in, in, you know, in particular. Um, so not only, you know, do like I said, we, you know, just being entrepreneurial um, districts really look to, to IUs for support in many different ways, not just maybe services for direct services to kids, you know, whether it be speech or hearing or OTPT. Um, we do all of those different types of services, but we also are a professional development hub. Um, we, we provide a lot of professional learning for 
administrators from the top down, from, from you know, superintendents to building level um, administrators uh, to teachers to we have so many different networks that support school counselors. And today we actually had a library network. We had, you know, the, the librarian slash media specialists that were here today to network. Um, so we just, we, we really, you know, when you talk about a comprehensive support system, I feel like that's what IUs are. We, we do it all. Um, and and I, that doesn't, I don't mean to sound, you know, I don't know, bragging or anything, but we, we really do a lot of work um, in so many different, you know, facets of education. And I said, you know, we are, we consider ourselves a, the hub. Um, and we think about an ecosystem. I might talk about that a little bit later, um, but we are, we consider ourselves a huge player in that ecosystem. And Janelle, you sort of alluded at, you know, the ways in which COVID has obviously shaken and shifted all sorts of industries, education being one of the probably primary affected industries. Um, and it's tempting to focus on all the negative, and there's certainly a lot of negative that came out of COVID uh, within the realm of education. But I'm wondering, uh, from your perspective and vantage point as an intermediate unit that gets to look over these 30-some districts or, or look around and see these 30-some districts, what are some of the positive things that you're seeing, like shifts coming out mm-hmm. yeah. of that pandemic in our districts? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see these shifts for a while, but, um, you know, education was completely flipped upside down. You know, we went from a very traditional, you know, system, you know, to, to, to the complete opposite, where, where kids were going to school to learn. Um, and then that shifted where, you know, you know, kids were staying home and they were then kind of forced to, to be the driver of their own learning. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, teachers, and, and we were all forced out of our comfort zones. And, and we know how, how well change tends to go over. And I think in education, it's even more of a challenge um, just because there are just so many different factors. But uh, we've, you know, we've been preaching for the past couple of years, especially in our, you know, with, we ran a, the Mass Customized Learning Consortium for, you know, a couple of years and just having those conversations and trying to challenge uh, people's minds to think differently about what education can be and what can, it can look like and really transform from that industrial age system to a more customized, um, flexible uh, way of addressing and, and you know, the, the varying degrees of, of learning styles. You know, we, we were focused too much on, on teaching one certain way. Um, and I think the pandemic has really forced us out of our comfort zones. You know, teachers had to, you know, obviously shift their instructional practices um, and they learned new approaches. And uh, I think that we're, I think we're moving in in the right direction. Um, sure, I think now that we're kind of, things are starting to steady out a little bit. Um, it's easy to slip back into some of those comfort zones. And I think that those leaders and those buildings who don't allow that are the ones who are going to, I think, rise to the top and are going to have stronger systems overall as we move forward. Um, if, you, if you allow folks to go back to the way it was, then I think we're going to see, um, I think that's going to cause some issues. Because we know that right now, um, there are, you know, we, we have competitors. You know, the public school system, mm-hmm. it, we're not the only ones anymore that are educating mm-hmm. kids. You know, we have, you know, a higher you know, amount of kids going to, to cyber schools. Um, we have 
families who are coming up with creative ways on, you know, to, to educate kids in their communities, um, creating pods and, you know, so there's just a lot, I think, I think we need to really pay close attention to what's happening out there because if not, we could become obsolete. Right. Right. I, I think Janelle, you're, you're spot on. And I think one of the things that, you know, when we think about jumping back to, or people slipping back in, you know, the amount of trauma kids faced being mm-hmm. out of a face-to-face classroom and not in, you know, what I would say they're socially appropriate setting because mm-hmm. those kids, you know, kids thrive when they're in social settings. We learn socially, all of that, you know, and, and even though we are the world of learning and we do it every day, in a virtual environment, um, I think the pandemic, you know, you know, did shift things. I mean, we were doing okay because we had already done it. Our teachers were familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like on some level, you know, people gained an appreciation for what we did. Um, and I mm-hmm. feel like at the IU, we were able to be really helpful. Oh my yes. And 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 I feel like that helped to create some goodwill because I think prior to that, you know, people didn't really you know, understand what we did or, you know, and, and with that, you know, obviously not from, for their fault, but they, they couldn't appreciate what we did. So I, the good that came out of it for us was that, you know, the pandemic allowed people to see that, you know, there were skills and there is possibilities. So Mm -hmm. um, you've been with us from the get-go though. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we brought the world of learning here and you helped us build it up from the top. So tell me a little bit about some of the strengths you see in, um, in our work and what we do. Well, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I don't know how long it's been, three years ago when we kind of did that branding, you know, went through the, the branding process of world of learning, um, created a website and, and really uh, developed those, those core values and really the why, you know, we, we addressed the, the, the why of why world of learning exists. And I love the acronym that, that we came up with, you know, the brand of we are, and R standing, you know, A is authentic, R is relevant, E is engaging. I think those three words speak to exactly to what world of learning is and will always be. Um, it's an online community who believes in that approach. Um, instruction is designed and delivered in ways that learners are connected and immersed in the language and in the experience, not just the language, it's the language experience, the culture, the you know, everything that, that learning a language is all about. Um, and, you know, it's not just about learning a, a language for memorization. You know, um, it's beyond that. And I think, um, you know, because I have, you know, like I said, I have two two teenagers that have taken, you know, language, you know, I won't go into those details, but I know for a fact that they were not authentically engaged in that learning experience because they don't have an appreciation for the language that they learned. Um, And I believe that that's what sets world of learning apart. Um, And I do think another strength of world of learning uh, is just being able to offer more than, you know, I think it's the, we think about those, all of those small schools that I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of tiny little rural schools. Uh, One of the strengths of, of world of learning is to be able to to offer those school districts opportunities that they never would have had before. Um, you know, those, those small schools maybe had a Spanish teacher, maybe French, um, but they were not, they didn't have the resources to expand their offerings. So, you know, having word of learning at their fingertips 
provides them with opportunities that they've never had before. Um, so these kids, you know, these these learners are able to, you know, tap into, you know, some, you know, I think a language that they have an interest in now that, you know, and when we know that when kids are interested, they're more invested in the learning process and it just becomes, you know, back to being relevant to, to their lives. Um, so, you know, World of Learning can expand a district's menu uh, to provide really that more diverse sampling of, of world languages. That's what I like the most, but the, really the brand, it's, it's, we are, and it's like, we can do a cheer, you know, rah, rah. <laughs> yeah, we can. And I, and you know what, and, um, and I think in that idea of, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, our why, and I think some of the, the, who we serve, um, you know, kind of also came out there, you know, who, who benefits, right. You know, in terms of that. Um, so I'm just going to kind of skip, skip through to say, you know, you see a lot of programs in your work across the intermediate units and the different service organizations, you know, you, yeah. like you said, you connect like through the whole state, but, but you also get out into the larger world of the educational service units and mm -hmm. what's different about the world of learning as you've traveled maybe across the state and even out to national conferences yeah. and you know, you visited Lindsay, California, looking at, you know, their unique, innovative programming. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it about the world of learning that kind of separates yeah. it from other organizations? Well, I think it, we've talked about this before. It's really, it's it's a niche. And, and that's what we wanted, I think, to focus on from the very beginning. What What is it about world of learning that sets it completely apart from any other virtual program, um, no matter what content area you teach. And it's really that niche. There's no other virtual program that mirrors what World of Learning offers. Um, you know, the, the synchronous live lessons um, really set them apart, you know, back to the engaging piece. Um, any time I've ever observed or watched um, the, the facilitators interacting with the learners, um, I've been extremely impressed, uh, you know, from, you know, elementary age learners up to high school age learners to, you know, learners and life skills classrooms. Um, they, you know, the, the facilitators really truly understand the, the why behind, you know, what they're doing. I think that that's huge in an, or, in, in an organization or even, you know, in a subgroup of an organization where everybody gets the why and you're all working together you know, to achieve the same mission. And, and that speaks very clearly from world of learning. Um, whenever you hold your interviews, when you hire, you hire with the intent of what it is that you want to achieve. You can't just hire anyone to, to, to teach in, you know, in, in the World of Learning Institute. Um, so I think it's important that we go through that hiring process and you do to make sure that it's, it's a natural fit. And then from the onset of when we hire folks, you know, they go through a series of professional development um, that's very rigorous. Um, because again, you know, we're not just looking for somebody to, to take, you know, to just teach a lesson. You know, there's more about, there's more to that. It's back to the, you know, making it relevant, making it engaging. Um, and, you know, there's a purpose behind why, you know, you all are teaching the way in which you are. So, um, you know, we hold, you know, world of learning holds very high expectations and you're always refining the processes as you move along the journey. You don't, you know, you don't look at it as if, okay, you know, we, we're good, you know, we're, we're comfortable. 
No, there, there's no comfort in world of learning because you're always looking to make it better. <laughs> Never get too comfortable. And, and, and you don't. And that's a good thing. I say that in a positive way, because once you get comfortable and you stop challenging yourselves, you stop taking you stop taking risks. Uh, and and I've, I have yet to see that, you know, from the moment that world of learning came to IU8. We're willing to take risks, willing to try, think, you know, different things, um, always just wanting to make the programs better. Uh, you know, back to the coursework, you know, we have courses that are being um, organically designed. We're not using canned curriculum. And that was a, a goal from the start. We had to do that a little bit to get ourselves off the ground, but we didn't settle for that. You know, you use organic curriculum um, that's constantly being, again, that's being revised. And that's what curriculum is all about. It's not, it's never a done deal. Um, it's a work in progress. So that's where I, I see, you know, world of learning, uh, just how it, how it really separates themselves from other maybe virtual programs that are out there. You're speaking my heart language. You're like curriculum, constant revision. I'm over here in the background. Like, I'm so excited about the curriculum stuff we're doing. I'm like making edits while we're chatting. Right. Exactly. That's what you all do. <laughs> I love it. I don't know who else gets excited about curriculum, but some of us do. And it's obviously... You're obviously, mm -hmm. I mean, both of you are there. You're, mm -hmm. You guys are some of my models. You ladies are some of my models. Um, Janelle, uh, tell us something that, you know, we can kind of get excited about an innovation, a highlight, some, you know, a recommendation, something good that's going on we can look towards. Yes. Sure. So I, you know, I, I, I talk through the lens of what's happening in, in the curriculum, you know, department. I mean, there's a lot of innovative, I'm sure, programs and projects that's being done across our organization. Um, but I speak through kind of directly where I'm sitting at and what I'm directly involved in. Uh, and, and that's the concept of ecosystems. Uh, I am a true believer that, you know, the partnerships that you make out in the community with, you know, the CTC, the libraries, um, the chambers of commerce, the, um, you know, just businesses and, you know, school systems, you know, we all have to be working together. Um, the school system cannot be the only way and the only means of educating our youth. You know, it has to be a collaborative effort. And, you know, I think we're, you know, we're really working hard here at the IU to develop those community partnerships. Uh, we, are, we are in the process of submitting a, a PA SMART grant that's due on Monday. And the, uh, really the, the strength of, of our grant application is because of the partnerships that we have within our communities. Um, and, you know, we have, we're in the process of gathering all these letters of support and they're coming in like, you know, people aren't even batting an eye because they trust us. And I think that's really cool. Um, so, you know, we have a lot going on in the, in the area of STEM. Um, you know, we, we've received several different grants that are pushing us out into, like I said, into the communities, doing some STEM camps for uh, the underserved populations and really trying to build family engagement. Uh, and so that's been really neat. We're in the process of bringing the future ready, uh, the future readiness summer program to our area in the summer of 2023, which is a Penn State Outreach Readiness Institute. That's where it is out of. Uh, we actually have a meeting about it tomorrow, uh, so it, it's really just uh, the onset of planning this for next summer. But the future readiness summer program will focus on exploring five critical questions that every student in Pennsylvania should be able to answer for personal professional and civic success. So the goal is to provide students with an enriching, personalized and engaging curriculum that would assist their preparations for their future education, their career and community life. So, you know, these students that maybe not, 
there, there'll be um, students entering their senior year. So it'll be the summer before their senior year. And it will be a six week intensive um, summer institute program that they will go through that uh, puts them out into the community, connects them to you know, different resources in the community uh, so that they can make a, a really educated decision about what they wanna do with their life and how they can contribute back to their own community. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's really my mission, uh, you know, as I sit in this seat and, it, and it's really about building those, those community partnerships and, you know, providing opportunities for kids that they may never have thought they, they would have. So I'm really excited about the work that we're going to do with that project. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm thinking we need to do, once you guys get those five questions, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be thinking about like the world language aspect, like how can world languages help you answer any of those questions, even if you're not, you know, going to go into a field that's explicitly around language, right. like in a globalized world, I think anybody in any job could benefit from some of those skills, right? Right. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, what we probably have, we have an opportunity to work with 30. So it's, it's going to be 30 students that will get selected. It'll be a, a pretty rigorous application process. Um, so those 30 kids will, will certainly, I think, have an experience of a lifetime um, from what I've heard that, you know, has happened in the institute that was run in the Pittsburgh area this past summer. So yeah, life changing. It's, it does. And Olivia, I've yeah. already brought up like where do languages fit into this? I remember sitting at a lunch with y'all and saying, yeah. hey, languages can fit here somewhere. Um, yeah, well, because I do believe that whole global community is, is really mm -hmm. important. And um, as we think forward, uh, I'm really glad that the world of learning landed at IU8. I'm really glad mm -hmm. we landed with Janelle as the director of curriculum and innovation. Oh, and our executive director as well. You know, we can't. Oh, yeah, we know, can't leave Tom out. Dr. Butler. <laughs> Dr. Butler is our, you know, very much our visionary leader. And I've learned a lot from him uh, throughout this whole process and, you know, what we need to do to advance ourselves um oh that's you know. absolutely true absolutely true no credit yeah. taken from dr butler that's right none, one, that's none right. whatsoever but i have to say you are some days in the weeds with us and it's really yes. helpful really really helpful to have you there and yes. you know we're just really grateful that you took some time out of your day today mm -hmm. and we will link so for those of you who are listening all the way to the end here we will link some of these resources and some of the things that janelle and olivia have talked about today um, in the show notes. So thank you, Janelle. Sure, you know, absolutely. You have a PA, you have this meeting tomorrow for the Future Readiness Summer Program, and you have a SMART grant due, and you took yeah. some time out of your of your day today. So we are grateful to have you, and I hope that once you get some of this work done, you get a restful weekend and, uh, and get to enjoy some of the sunshine. Oh, it's beautiful weather out for sure. So yes. I'll take that. Yeah. So have a great day, and we'll look forward to hearing from you all soon. Have a great okay. day.